Hi, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. If you are a survivor, a caregiver, a researcher, a support group leader, or a local business helping the stroke and brain injury community, Stroke Focus is offering a number of exciting programs. Get details at the end of this podcast. Today we're here with Jillian Mason, and she's a physiotherapist and exercise instructor by background. As she puts it, she is working as Jill of all trades and science translator. Now, those are both self-appointed titles, but she's in the University of Newcastle's Stroke Recovery Research Group at Hunter Medical Research Institute, which is, again, in Newcastle, Australia. She works with stroke survivors, and I'm just going to go right in and welcome her. Hello, Jillian. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome, and we always enjoy meeting new people. My first question to you is, what is a physiotherapist? Well, a physiotherapist in Australia is quite similar to a physical therapist in America. It's someone essentially who understands how people move and what processes in the body cause movement. So movement in what you could say is a normal way or movement um, that's been affected by a stroke or another type of injury. The sports physiotherapists, I think, are more widely understood, um, but we do the same thing as you would know, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, as physical therapists after stroke are helping people to move as well as they can. Great. You have self-appointed some titles here. I was interested in uh, Jill of all trades. Yeah, I mean, I guess in my current role, I'm a physiotherapist by background, um, but I'm not working as a clinical physiotherapist. So I don't see patients in my in my role with the university. I mostly work, and I said a translator and Jill of all trades, just doing all the stuff that needs to happen to link people together and help, I suppose, people with stroke understand what it is that researchers are trying to do and the researchers understand the needs of people with stroke. And then from there, translate again what research findings actually mean for health professionals and physios and doctors and how that then relates to what they might do with their patients. So I, I do lots of different things. Your role as a physiotherapist kind of helps you with some of this. Well, I think so. And it, it was a bit of a step to move away from working with people with stroke. I really enjoy developing relationships with people and trying to understand what it is that they want to get back to doing. That's the most, I suppose, the most descriptive thing a rehabilitation physiotherapist does. It's talk to people, find out, okay, since your stroke or since your brain injury, what can't you do? You know, what things are you missing out on in life? And we work with a range of other people to try and help the person to move better so they can participate. So not having that contact and relationship building with patients is something I find challenging. But mm-hmm. I think having that understanding and having worked with lots of people hopefully helps me to understand what makes it easier, what makes it difficult for people to participate in research. Mm-hmm. to help researchers sort of make sure that information that they're giving to people or questions that they're asking are going to be easier to understand, relevant, important, 
yeah, not too difficult, I suppose. How did you end up with this job? I'd like to say I had a carefully thought out career plan, but that's not how it works. But <laughs> so I've been most of my clinical background, so most of my work as a physio treating patients has been working in the community with mostly older people, so strokes and uh, other chronic diseases. And so from there, I saw a job opportunity to come and work as a what's called a blinded assessor in research. So they needed a physio who could come and look at the arm function of people with stroke and do the assessments for people taking part in this exercise and arm therapy research trial. So the researchers were looking at doing high-intensity exercise, which is an interest of mine, as well as some really evidence-based motory learning for hands after stroke. And I got asked to come in and assess the hand function before and during and after this research trial. And I thought that sounded really interesting. That is interesting. I did a research study here in the States regarding arm and hand function. I was assessed by someone, and they were kind of with me the whole way through. But it was done at Washington University in St. Louis. It was quite interesting. I'm assuming that it's finished at this point. It was quite interesting to me to see the difference that it made during the study eight weeks because I kept improving on what yep. they were doing. So is is that kind of what it is where you're doing repetitive action? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the type of exercise training that we think works pretty well after stroke is exactly like you're describing, that repetitive practice of doing certain movements with your arm. Usually the best way is when the practice is extremely repetitive, so sometimes really boring and frustrating, (laughs) and you practice the same thing over and over. Um, But what the researchers wanted to do in this study is add in some high-intensity exercise training on an exercise bike to try and increase the amount of certain chemicals in your brain, which they think make your brain more plastic. So they get the people to exercise quite hard on an exercise bike, and then after that do the arm training. Yeah, I yeah. only did arm training, and it was a certain number of repetitions, three things every week. And sometimes they'd change weekly, and sometimes they wouldn't. That one was pretty boring. Uh, good results, but it was boring. <laughs> and that really is a problem, isn't it? You know, you have a stroke. It's not your fault. And then right. all of a sudden you have to spend your whole life rehabilitating, and it's all your responsibility. This is really unfair, isn't it? Well, you know, it is, but I think as a stroke survivor myself and maybe many other, I would hope, shows you how strong you really are and the things that you will go, the links, I guess, that you will go to improve. You know, I still am six years out and I'm still improving. Not anything that I can see daily, but Maybe in six months I'll say, oh, my gosh, I can do this now. When did that happen? Things like that. So I think it makes us very resilient. I love that you say that you're still noticing changes six years after your stroke, particularly because we know there's no evidence to say that people actually stop improving. There's these long-held beliefs, aren't there, but, you know, you'll only improve for six months after your stroke or, you know, only a couple of years. But actually you will improve lifelong. Absolutely. And 
that is something that we have interviewed people that they have said this, you know, 20 years down the road, 15 years down the road, 25, whatever it is, they can still make progress. Now, I hear a lot of people say, oh, but the doctor told me in six months I'm not going to, you know, nothing's going to happen. Well, that's not true. Exactly. That's always been our go-to thing here. Keep moving. No matter what you're doing, just keep moving because you will see change. That's right. Tell us about your research center. Sure. It's a translational research center. The whole focus of the research center is to take the new discoveries that the scientists are finding in the lab and try and get them as quickly as possible into clinical practice so that, you know, once you have a stroke, we want to make sure that you're getting the latest treatment that we know will give you the best chance to recover quickly and and lifelong, but so that you're not wasting any time doing things that are outdated. We want to get you doing the, the cutting-edge treatments that are proven. So the Translational Research Centre is just about trying to speed up what, unfortunately, like the average time it takes for a new discovery in the lab to reach, you know, the hands of the doctors and the therapists is still 17 years. Holy moly. I guess it's outrageous, isn't it? I didn't know it was that long. 17. Exactly. And there's lots of due process that we have to go through, researchers have to go through to make sure that you don't just jump into doing something that's not tested. Is the research that they're looking at from everywhere or is it just research that you all are doing within your laboratory? No, this is worldwide statistics on how long it takes healthcare research on average to get from the science labs from the bench, they call it the bench to the bedside, to get from the science labs into the standard treatments that doctors and other health professionals will offer to patients. So it's it's sort of almost a bit of an emergency to get things happening more quickly. And that's how, when I started working as a research assistant, so there was a great opportunity to help that process. And one of the things slowing down research from moving ahead in this area and really all over the world is linking enough people with that problem to the researchers so that they design useful research, but also so that enough people with the problem know about the trial at the right time are available to participate and can be supported to participate. So that and having some chronic health problems myself and being really alarmed by finding this out, like why is it that I'm probably not receiving the best type of health care? I thought, I really want to work in this space. That's how I'm here. That's fantastic. What is the main direction of this? Yeah, so specifically our area of research at this research institute is stroke recovery, which is pretty broad area because there's so many problems that people have after stroke, but it's research into those things. So there is a body of research looking into the emergency stroke life-saving treatments like the clot-busting drugs and the clot retrieval, but the area of research that our centre focuses on is moving better after stroke, speaking better after stroke, dealing with the effects, the effects of fatigue after stroke and, and treatments for those sorts of things. So it's about advancing the brain's capacity to recover with you after stroke.
district. You're working with other researchers to establish um, a community stroke forum. So tell us about this. Um, so this forum that we're holding is for the stroke survivors. So we set up a platform almost two years ago now to try and link people with stroke in our local community in with researchers so that essentially so that more people would go in the research studies. And so we're not just testing a small group of people. We're testing a large group of people so that the treatments that we're working on actually are relevant to a broad range of people, right? But we realized that the community knowledge and awareness of what research was going on and what are the latest things that people could be doing already or participating in, like the awareness was really low. And our stroke survivor community that's developed has been calling out for us to come into the community more and be more available, be more accessible as researchers. So we're having a, an event where there'll be some short presentations by researchers, but they're going to be reviewed in advance by stroke survivors. So no sciencey presentations that speak about things that don't make sense to anyone unless you're a professor of neuroscience. They'll be plain language, but you know, important and accurate presentations on what's the latest, what things are available, and an expo between presentations where people with stroke can just directly come and talk to Professor Michael Nielsen about the latest in neuroscience research and come and talk to some of our lab neuroscientists about what they're doing with brain cells and that's our plan for May. And we've taken the comments from people that have been looking at our research studies and participating in our research studies on board. They're involved in organizing this forum. I think your program is highly beneficial because I think that Putting people together, your physicians, your researchers, your stroke survivors, will give them a better connection. And that's the most challenging, maybe, to you all, is getting everybody together and, and understanding each other. Yeah, and, and remaining open to the fact, like you said, everyone's an individual. So we could have 17 forums, and we don't know the individual story of the next person that comes into the research center or that comes into the clinic. I hope that lots of these sorts of conversations help people become more open to it and help a person with stroke develop more confidence to say to someone, we have to make their health information more accessible to people. Right. It has to make sense. So you know about how, to, how do you choose a treatment? Which treatment are you going to choose? You have to understand that, right, before you can make a good choice. Are you finding there are other challenges that maybe affects researchers or doctors or the stroke survivors? One of the biggest challenges is trying to work out where to put the time and effort to make this better. And I feel really grateful our research centre has invested a bit in a few of these sorts of things to give people like me time to do some of that work so we're not taking it away from um, laboratory scientists necessarily. So I've got time to talk to people with stroke and help to translate some of that information for them. Unless you have worked with people in the area or you've got your own experience, you can't have a concept of it. We've got some of the nicest, most empathetic researchers around, right. but if they don't have that experience, it's something that you need to learn. 
you know, they don't understand that if there's a research study and we're going to demand an hour and a half of someone's concentration to answer a heap of questions. Now, they're all valid, scientifically robust questionnaires. They should work. But unless somebody says, look, that's just not going to work for many people with stroke. You might need to plan that over two appointments or, you know, maybe you haven't allowed time for a toilet break and things like this. And unfortunately, the people in the study, they're rushed. They're not going to be good answers. And the experience for the person is just awful under pressure. Um, so, yeah, it's being able to talk to researchers about that sort of thing, check in with the participants in the research trials, you know, is, is this going to work for you? What was the experience like? And actually be able to use that information for future. It's, it's a really nice opportunity. I, I love the job. You do some live streaming on Facebook? Well, we'd like to. Okay. Um, we'd like to stream the community forum that we're going to have live so that people all around the world can participate. We haven't done it before, so that's, um, you know, it's new. It's funny, though, isn't it? Because Facebook's not new. All these um, technologies that people use in their normal life, they're not really new. But once it's in healthcare and research, it's, it's a bit scary, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Survivors, can they sign up with you all? Do they have to be in Australia? If they can, how do they sign up with you? Sure. So there's a couple of different things that we're doing. We have a Facebook page, an Instagram account, and a Twitter um, Twitter account where we just would love to have a conversation with people all over the world. So people can find us on those channels. We're the Stroke Brain P for Peter, R for Rabbit, C for Cat, Stroke Brain PRC, which is Priority Research Center for Stroke and Brain Injury which is a ridiculous mouthful, right? But that's, that's <laughs> what things are called at the university. So you can find us there on Facebook. Um, but local stroke survivors can sign up to be contacted about opportunities to participate in research. So on our website, which I should share with you, so there's a link to click rather than having to search, but it's the stroke register in the Hunter Valley, which is Newcastle, New South Wales. And then if you join that contact list, then I get in touch and say, look, there's a research study starting next week that needs people like you. This is what it's about. Are you interested? And people can say yes or no or decide they're too busy for the next two years. But then if something comes up that they want to participate in, they're informed. So that's the Hunter Stroke Register. You can Google that and find that. But I'll provide you with a link as well. But all over the world, we'd love to have conversations with people on our social channels. Jillian, thank you so much for being with us today. You've given us a lot of information. It sounds like you all are really help stroke survivors in all that you do. So I do appreciate you being here and taking time out of your busy day to do this. Look, I'm really I'm excited that you invited me to chat. It was lovely to meet you. This is an announcement of Stroke Focus. Stroke Focus has opened up its blog section to all its members. It is a professional platform, completely free and very easy to use. It provides instant visibility to know how many views your blog is receiving. At the same time, we are helping members put stories on our podcast. You can get a professional quality radio broadcast to share on Facebook, Twitter, or post on your site. 
for all our members with aphasia. Our audio editors will help make your interview smooth. Do not need any professional equipment. No interview will be published before you review and approve it. There is no charge. Join us at https colon backslash backslash www.strokefocus.net or write to us at contact at strokefocus.net. Join the growing list of people sharing stories. What you share will make a difference.